is everyone. Uh, we haven't been on for a while, but uh, here we are. Uh, it's uh, your host, Zenge, as usual. Nathan, due to various circumstances, once again, can't be with us today, but uh, he's definitely um, hyped up for this one uh, because it's a very interesting topic and a very, very interesting guest. Uh, his name is Mark V. His surname is Mysterious. <laughs> um and uh, the v is for victorian i'm sorry <laughs> victorian so mark victorian there you have it that's his uh, surname um so he's an african-american with an interesting story and moved to africa tanzania and at the age of 19 yes yes yeah age of 19 so just imagine packing up and just moving to a whole different continent and uh, we're just gonna understand his story talk about um his, his story and other people in the diaspora that have moved around and just, um, yeah, we're just going to be talking about that. And uh, so, yeah, Mark, welcome to uh, Africa for Dummies. Well, thank you for having me. Uh, can you hear me really well? Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I told the story enough times, but I think, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, so just for our audience, uh, for our listeners, um, what's your story? Why? why did you yeah just tell us your general story what do you do and i guess most people want to ask why did you move from the u.s and like what was life like when you moved from the u.s and um, what, what brought you to that decision Ooh. okay uh if i'm being honest i don't know fully it was just a feeling i think a lot of people have a similar story they have a very strong feeling something's compelling them there pack up and go to Africa. And I was one of them. This was when I was 19. I'm 22 now. So it's been about three years. Um, but when I was 19, I, I was uh, living my life in America, had a decent job. Life was pretty good. I lived alone for the most part. And I don't know. I, it's really hard to explain. It's just one day I went back to my house after work and I after working and I sat down on the bed and said, Hmm. And something came to me and said, go to Africa. I said, huh? Okay. Maybe. And I knew I always wanted to travel, mm -hmm. but you know, I didn't think it would be to Africa. So yeah. soon I wanted to go to Africa, but I wanted to go to Africa later in life. Yeah. So I was, I was looking at other places. And so it told me go. And I went on YouTube and I looked up um, people moving to Africa and Ghana came up because the 2019 year of return at yeah, the time yeah. when I was 19, that was a, it was a year after that. Now let's take a step back for a moment. What exactly is the year of return? The year of return was the year 2019. This marked 400 years since the first African slave arrived in a little town called Jamestown, the state of Virginia in the United States. This year of return was launched in September 2018 by Ghanaian president Nana Akufo-Addo. Is an initiative by the government of Ghana and a US-based Adinkra group to attract not only African Americans but people of African heritage in the Caribbean, in South America, in Europe and everywhere else to either invest, to visit or to move for good. This included a new legal avenue in which Afro-diaspora now have the right of abode, meaning anyone in the African diaspora can apply to be a Ghanaian citizen. Did it work? Several high-profile black celebrities have visited Ghana, including Idris Elba, T.I., Ludacris, Naomi Campbell, Stevie Wonder, Rick Ross, Aton, and several others. Ghana's tourism ministry also saw an increase in tourist revenues, and recently Idris Elba is planning on opening a music studio in Ghana. Let's get back to the conversation. So I looked at Ghana, I said, no, it's already been a year. That means there's a lot of people there. And I said, mm -hmm. I don't want to go there. And so I looked at the Gambia because that popped up. There was some, there was this one lady, her name was Art Cathy. She, she was so funny. And I watched her video. I said, oh, that looks like a fun place. <laughs> and it was called the Smiling Coast. And I said, I'll probably fit in pretty nicely there. Yeah. And so I looked and I was about to uh, get my ticket. And as I was getting the ticket on This was a ticket to Gambia, to the Gambia. Yeah. Because uh -huh. something was telling me, don't go to Gambia. I wanted to go to Gambia, but something was telling me, don't go to Gambia. And so as I'm booking my ticket, there's an ad thing that popped up because, yeah. you know, Google Chrome can give you notifications. And the ad or the um, pop up was that they had just closed their borders. So I said, whoa, you know, I can't go there. 
So <laughs> as I'm, I saved my money and I, I said, okay, I'm not going to the Gambia. Yeah. And so something said, look to the east. And I looked over, I saw Kenya. I decided Kenya was too westernized and I had never really heard of Tanzania. So I went here. Mm, yeah. And that's actually interesting because I've been here uh, ever since. Yeah, that's interesting because the big destinations that people go to, especially African-Americans, is Senegal, Ghana, uh, uh, you know, the whole roots story uh, and looking at the, 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 the famous sort of fortresses where um, slaves uh, had left. And so why? So you, you explained that you just basically you felt the urge. I don't know what urge or like you just felt some sort of some sort of type of calling. Did you ever think you're going to live in Africa or did you think you're just going to visit? That's a really good question, because if I had to look back on it, I don't think it's a yes and a no for me. Yeah, because in my in my conscious mind, I didn't think I was going to live in Africa. I thought I was visiting, but in my subconscious, I said, I just sold all my stuff. <laughs> so I said, okay, I'm probably going to end up living here. And three years went by and I'm still here. Yeah, that's a huge leap. Like, who does that, first of all? Like, this is, that's, in my mind, I'm just trying to figure out why would you just like leave everything and then just move to not even the biggest or the richest countries in Africa, you know, not South Africa, not Kenya, uh, you know, well, you decide to go to Tanzania. And that's my curiosity um, because they, they can't be that many uh, African-Americans. I mean, I, I guess that, you know, most people would want to go places that they can have a, a start and like familiar, somewhat familiar territory to get your way in. Now you go to Tanzania where, you know, the predominant language is Swahili, you know, uh, I mean, obviously they they do speak English, but like it's they're very strong in their Swahili. So yeah, yeah. So how did that? How's that process? Um, and your first impressions moving to Africa, and just just give us just give us a a walkthrough of of, of that that sort of transition. Um. Now I was I guess I was a weird one because I'm talking to people and I hear how they transitioned and it wasn't the same. Mm -hmm. A lot of especially since you got a lot of older folks coming here so they can't adapt as quickly but for me adaption was easy that was i think that's what made my youtube channel a little popular was because you know at the time i don't have a whole lot of followers but i think they found the interesting thing is i could go live with the people yeah. so i got off the plane and the first place i lived in was some ghetto <laughs> somebody told me it wasn't a good place but that was after i had been there for so long yeah. And so for me, it was it was I don't know when you asked me to look back on it, it just felt it feels like it just happened, you know, or it's like it just felt natural. So did you have any like did you have any plan? Did you no, have any actual plan? I didn't even book a hotel. Getting off just... the plane, I did not book a hotel. Wow. I don't know Man. what it is, but, you know, in my mind, I was so sure that it would work out and I didn't know why. Because in my life, there's always been a little bit of a guiding voice that'll tell. It could say something as simple as go left or go right. And I follow. I don't question it. And so I did that here. I got here to the airport. I left my bags. I looked outside in Terminal 3. And I said, you know what? I know this place. And I went back inside and I went to a taxi driver. I said, take me somewhere local. And surely enough, we went into the ghetto called Kipawa. Wait, wait so what do you mean by like, so... What do you mean by I know this place? Because honestly, your first impression, um, being an African-American, I, I assume, you know, you live, you lived in a place that is predominantly white, right? And then you, are, you arrive in Dar es Salaam in a place that's predominantly black. So uh, how, how are you, how did you just arrive? Like, I mean, you couldn't have just said, oh no, this is, this is home, this is cool. You, you, you are landing in somewhere that you haven't been before, I'm assuming. So. What were your immediate impressions? Yeah, I, yeah, you make a good point. I had never even really traveled outside of America before coming to Tanzania was the first place I went to outside of America. But when I say I know this place, I mean, it's a city. You know, people have this strange misconception coming to Africa that there's huts and things everywhere. I had to actually look for that stuff. Not to say it's not here. It is. You looked for But huts. it's out in the sticks. Yeah, now I have my pickup. I go everywhere so I can find <laughs> that stuff. But the reason I chose, you mentioned something earlier. You said, you know, 
Why not go to one of the big countries that's already developed? And I made sure the reason I didn't go to uh, Ghana was because I knew there were too many African-Americans there. Too much westernization had already been pushed into Ghana. The same with Kenya. When something told me, look to the east, I said, Kenya would be great. Then I said, you know, it's westernized. And it's not to say I'm anti-Western, but it is to say that if I'm going to make a big move like that, I might as well make it all the way. So I chose Tanzania because if I'm being honest, I had never heard of Tanzania. Mm -hmm. And it's a tourist country. I've never heard of it before coming here. Not in great detail. So I said, this place looks more local than all these other places I was looking at. I came here because people weren't coming here. And now there's a lot of people coming here. But when I came here, there wasn't many people. And I was happy to be a part of that, one of those first waves, yeah. because I got to see the genuine culture before, before the, you know, Western they edited themselves to, yeah. Yeah. So you're talking about the um, misconceptions and the, you know, the realities. Um, what obviously you know and, and I'm, I'm, I've always kind of been interested in this type of linkage what are the biggest misconceptions I mean of course the term is African-American unless you say black Americans it does linger in your mind that this is originally where you came from but what do you think are the biggest misconceptions that African-Americans um, have of Africa and Africans and what do you think Africans have of African-Americans? Oh, okay. There's a lot of them. And, and really, it's, it's an issue with our people, even in America. We have these, I don't know, I won't go into it. But one thing that I found- Please go, into, of, go into them. <laughs> That's why we're here. That's why I'll, we're talking about it. I'll be nice, because I love my people on both sides. But at yeah. the same time, our people have a lot of problems. And one of the biggest misconceptions that African-Americans have about Africans that I found, I can't speak for everybody, but these are the ones I came across. And one of them is that African, and, and, and as stereotypical as it sounds, a lot of people believe they live in huts. They think there's no roads, there's little technologies. That, and it's not to say they live in some advanced civilization like Wakanda, because they're not doing that either. But cities exist in every country, pretty much. You know, that lifestyle is... In most cities around the world are the same. I came, I Googled one picture of Tanzania before I came here and a picture of Dar es Salaam came up. And I said, oh, I know what this place is gonna be like. Why? Because you can assume based on that. I wasn't coming here thinking a lion's gonna get me outside of the airport, but some people do. Wow. And it's strange to think that all you have to do is look a little deeper into it before you come. I think now we're past that. But at the time when I came three years ago, people weren't doing that. They just assume. Now I think the stereotype is being dissolved. Mm. So, mm, but yeah, that's yeah. So that's that's interesting because I feel like there's there's been like there's two very drastic. Like we had a previous episode on what is an African, and we also talked about the perceptions of Africa. You know, there's you, see, you mentioned Wakanda, and then there's now the woman king. There's this romanticization that um, obviously I'm not, uh, I'm not African-American, nor am I uh, originally from outside Africa, but I, I get the image that for those that romanticize it, they assume upon arrival, you know, you'll be given wonderful uh, rose petals and there'll be a red carpet and we shall welcome you by calling you king. And, <laughs> you know, um, so there's almost like an extreme, romanticization of Africa to the point that you don't want to talk about the problems and then there is the pessimistic one uh, that there is nothing but huts so what's your what's your what's your what's your take on that I'm just interested just interested in what what you think about about that is that an accurate um, depiction or um I think who are you talking to I won't get any no, no. This boy is talking to the phone while playing it. Man, I don't know who you're talking to. But yeah, I don't know. To be honest with you, Africa is not all rose petals. In fact, I'd argue that it has a lot of issues. Okay, I'm just going to... You say I come from a place that's predominantly white. You were almost right. I come from Vegas, so it's mostly Mexicans. Wow. Okay. Um, but basically people that aren't us. But I've also had a, a lot of exposure to a lot of people. 
Not to say I was thinking about Africa and hearing about Black lives. No, not that kind of exposure. Just different people from different walks of life. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it, it, it wasn't hard coming here and just thinking differently. But I think a lot of us have an issue doing that. We, we're setting our ways so much, so young, old. Yeah. Um, but to answer the question, I think, I don't know, you got me there. Because it does, I don't know, that issue. Because, okay. So where do you sit then in this, between romanticizing Africa, now that you've been here, you've been in Africa for a while, between romanticizing Africa and um, sort of, uh being pessimistic about africa do you think coming to africa has made you more pessimistic oh yeah definitely okay it's it's definitely and it's not even so much pessimism i just had a conversation with a man who came by today so this center and you know he was telling me yo you know because i i'm critiquing that's necessary for us to make any significant change in this place and if we're so afraid to hear the issues we all share then nothing's going to get solved. So you need to be a little... I say a tree needs shit to grow. Do forgive my language, but it's true. At the end of the day, we're all growing and we have to grow together because right now we have issues, they have issues, they have solutions, we have solutions, but we're on opposite ends of the same big problem. Yeah. And the issue is that we can't look at things uh, pessimistically, we can't look at them optimistically. We have to come uh, with a realist view and so I believe I've developed because at one point when it was pessimism, it was negative on top of negative because I saw how things were being done. And I was hearing stories about what was happening to people that I would associate with and old ladies getting robbed and people getting dragged on motorcycles. And it started messing up my perception of Africa. And I knew this stuff. And I'm, I'm going to specify it down to Tanzania because I can't speak for Africa. Mm. I haven't been everywhere, but I assume it's similar. But let's leave it at just an assumption so nobody gets offended. The issue is bigger than we think. When you start calling out issues, people get offended. And the problem is they take it personal. You can't go and protect these issues. If you, if you, if you say brother and sister, well, then the problem in the family has to be known. And right now we have a big problem. But I think the issue is um, a lot of people are too pessimistic and a lot of people are too optimistic. You have people hiding issues in Africa. I'm serious. Content creators mm. and things like I, I, I ended up coming across that. Somebody told me, yeah. and I don't think they meant to tell me, but I deduced this. And he was basically saying that if you speak negatively about Africa, specifically Tanzania, people aren't going to want to come here, which means the business we have going on isn't going to prosper. And I said, so you're going to sell a fair in my mind. I'm thinking you're going to sell a fairy tale image of Africa, knowing there's problems so that you can get them over here and make money off of whatever it is, whether it's a consultation, concierge, liaison, whatever you want to sell them. That's the goal for some people. Some people are not here to build anything. Some people are not here to interact with Africans. Some people are not here to live a life. Black power, Black empowerment, they're here to live a discounted America. That's what some people are here to do. In fact, most people, most people want to have a servant in a big house and pay six, seven hundred dollars a month for a house that in the States would cost them eight or nine thousand dollars a month right so they're here to live a discounted life because they couldn't make it in the state some of them and it's not everybody coming here to do that but it's too many people that have this skewed version of what should be done here some of them have nothing to do with africa they don't want anything to do with africa and they have that right nobody's forcing you to build but do not come here under the premise that you're going to build and then some people come with a lot of issues we had issues in the states and I'm starting to see it now. After three years, I'm finally seeing it. These people are crazy. I love my brothers and <laughs> Wait, sisters. Wait, you, so I'm you're saying they're bringing them. the issues into Africa? Then. Yeah. I, what, I type type issues, what type of that issues? What type of issues? You know, the typical drama. And, 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 and it'll be the most petty things. The most mm. petty things. I just had a situation occur. And I can't even say because it'll get us both in trouble. But... <laughs> I just had an issue occurring. And when I look back on it, I say that was so petty. But because our people are so misguided and miseducated and undereducated and lack of knowledge, lack of uh, research and everything that's just a detriment on our part, because some of it is us 
We can't go and throw everything on the white man and say he did this and he did that. Well, what are we doing? Yeah, you yeah, have people exactly. that are waiting yeah, for yeah, reparations. That's... Reparations yeah, will never come. And then you have people that think Africa is the solution. I'd say like this in 400 years. Stop, stop, stop. So. Yeah, so sorry for our listeners. We we have a we have an extra special guest, a little baby from Tanzania, and he's enjoying himself. Well, <laughs> Sao Bubba. Sao Jamo. Sao. I Bubba. I can't even want to take attention, Sana. Till my. I can't even be behaving. I said, Mimi Kuka, Najua Kwanini. See what I said. But some Bubba Mimi, Nataka, Mani, Nataka. I made him feel a little bad. He's <laughs> yeah, used to making all that. Noise. He's, 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 he sounds so good up now. Um, so yeah, um, I, I think you hit the nail on the head when you talked about uh, being able to take responsibility for ourselves. I mean, of course, I think this is this is a discussion that uh, I've had many times on whether or not you know things like reparations, apologies, and so on. Else. But at the end of the day, I think of you know we can give you a whole uh, you know we can give you several Bibles worth of African problems and how other people have screwed Africa over and Africans in the diaspora. But at the end of the day, how sustainable is pity parties, basically? Because when we're talking about um, uh, how everyone owes us for several things that they have done, uh, it, in my mind, it just doesn't feel sustainable. I mean, okay, fine, I can entertain some of these things. But at the end of the day, if you are not developing, yes, no one is going to develop Africa but Africans themselves. Everything else is just unsustainable. Uh, and I think you, you you also hit it on the head, or the, the nail on the head when you talked about, um, um, I think you talked about some type of mindset and how people are unable to acknowledge uh, their own uh, their own problems. Yeah, the, the mindset I'm speaking about, yeah, it's exactly that. We have this refusal to acknowledge anything wrong with us. We're the victim, and, and here's the problem. They have the issue in a lot of Africans is they wait, they wait, they wait. They want other people to do it for them. But we want people to feel bad because because you said we can make a Bible or two about African problems, but we can make a few more as well about African-American problems, Afro-British problems, Afro-Caribbean problems, mm -hmm. Jamaican problems. You know, all of yeah. us have problems. We carrying this skin color, we automatically come with problems because of how history has treated us. And it's not to denounce everything that's happened to us. I think when people hear that, they think, oh, you don't know our history. Oh, I know it. I know enough about it to say that we have to move beyond that. Why are we always trying to get the approval of another person? For us to be valid, we can just do on our own. We right. can move in silence, but we want to be seen sometimes. And sometimes we want people to do it for us. Yeah. Oh, well, if we only had this, if we and yes, there are forces keeping us down at times, but at the same time, we are a part of what's keeping us down. You can't just disregard the fact that a lot of us are a certain way. Lying, cheating, stealing, that stuff's not good. Black, yeah. white, green, blue, purple or orange. You can't do that. Mm -hmm. So if you have a low perception of your people because mm -hmm. of the stereotype that you yourself are perpetuating, course you're not going to have development you have people around the world who perceive africans not african americans africans as low quality people yeah. they get zero respect when they travel and 95 percent of the reason is because when you come to africa what they say is true not all africans are dirty or poor but a lot of them act a certain way that is not good in the minds of other people yeah, That's an I, issue that, that needs to be addressed. The lying, the cheating, the stealing. Every store you go to and you're being overcharged, what's that white person going to say when they go back to Europe? Those exactly. people like money. I, yeah, so I think, I think because they, they don't have to live here. We do. So we get the brunt of that. They have to treat us a certain way. 
I mean, they're starting to treat us a certain way because they see, oh, they're just going to take it. But then white folk get top dollar treatment. Why? Because they have control over the perception of these people. And the image is so important to so many people. So yeah. they get treated better because we don't challenge anything that affects us in a negative way. A lot of Africans, at least in East Africa, they have a refusal to stand up for what is right and a refusal to speak out about things that are not okay. And because they refuse to discuss issues, nothing gets solved. But the problem is everybody knows the problem and nobody wants to solve them. That that was uh us that system. Yeah, yeah, no, no. That is a European concept where you don't even speak about the problem. You yeah, know, no, the, I, 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 I agree with what you're saying. Where the wife could be getting beaten, the husband goes to work, and they just don't talk about it. It's just normal. It's a part of life. Well, here we're taught to con we're conditioned to take the abuse over and over and over and over. Africa's problem is they like, they don't like to, but they have been conditioned to just take it. African-Americans, just take it. Africans, just take it. Don't say anything. Don't do anything. Protect your government who doesn't serve you. Protect the things that don't serve you. Hold on to a culture and a history that never served you. Hold on to the traditions and the foods that never served you. You have people telling me, do you eat Ugali? I say, who brought corn to Africa? What's yeah. traditional about that? What came before this? Because my ancestors were taken before Tanzania existed. So I go beyond that. In my mind, it's insulting to hear somebody say, I'm proud to be a Tanzanian, because that means you have separated yourself from the other brothers and sisters on the continent. That's the, that's, that's the game they played with us, is to separate and then separate and separate some more and then separate again. So we can't see each other as one. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. no, no, no. I, 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 I don't I even remember that's, the question. That's that's extremely profound because um, you you have basically given us a glimpse shot of the entire history of Africans and Africans across the world, and how basically you know we we had a previous episode where we we're talking about I never knew I was black right and uh we were talking about how the experience of an african who perhaps has lived in africa and we this has been written by people like leopold Senghor, who is a famous pan-africanist former president of uh, senegal um and even chimamanda gozi adiche who's a renowned novelist from nigeria who wrote about the experience of going out of africa into predominantly white countries and then realizing that in that she's black because people start seeing the skin color and then in africa it's not the skin color it's more the ethnicity it's other types of prejudice and judgment uh, and then yeah um and then um i think you you also mentioned so so we 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 we, we we've discussed this issue several times and i came to the conclusion that it's some kind of civilizational disruption rather than simple oppression or putting a flag on a on, 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 on someone's land, you know, because it's it's almost a redesigning of who you are, and it lasts way longer than just simply declaring independence, way longer than just simply having a black president. Um, and you know, like, and, and you know, I've always had this battle, you know, when people are like, oh, Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter, it's like this is just an American thing. Why should I? Why am I? Why am I? Should I be concerned about this? You know, in, in Lusaka and Zambia, there were about six people that went to the American embassy and said, oh, Black Lives Matter, a bad thing, and so on. And then I said, there's police brutality in Zambia, <laughs> you know, and it's a Black policeman. In Tanzania. Your government is Black. Your police inspector general yeah. is Black. You know, in, 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 you know, there's crime in these countries. There's people that turn a blind eye to certain cases of abuse, of rape. It's almost normalized yeah. in some cases, in some of these places. But people don't want to talk about that because these are upsetting issues that, you know, for Africans, that I, for Africans that as an African myself, it does feel like you're almost perpetuating the stereotype by acknowledging that these problems are there. And that's why, you know, this podcast, we're not trying to romanticize Africa. We're trying to give you the real picture you know, on the plate and make you understand these problems in the most in the most accessible way. Because yeah. if you don't know them, you're going to just, you're going to sort of be putting a lid on a boiling pot, you know, and you won't be seeing what's happening, but there'll be serious problems that will just be fermenting and eventually they'll explode and you'll be like, oh, where did this come from? 
Um, so I think what you said is very important because there is problems even among black people in Africa, black people in African America, in, um, in America, the Caribbean, and, and, and black British. And I think what you said about the divide and rule sort of thing is also quite interesting. Um, when it comes to the surnames, you know, you have Malcolm X even changing the surnames. I mean, people go to various extremes to explain this uh, sort of divide uh, and rule. Um, yeah, but that's a, that's a very, very interesting uh, topic because um, I think it's, it's, it's not a comfortable topic, but it's, I think it has to be had, you know? Um, and so what would you say then now when it comes to African-Americans view on Africans themselves? Because there's this sort of rivalry I've read a few things about this, this sort of rivalry, uh, and I think even comedians. <laughs> there was a comedian. Uh, I forgot his name, but he was like, um, uh, "What did he say?" Uh, I think he said, "Oh no, uh, he's an African American comedian." He said, "Oh no, Afri I went to Africa once, and they 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 looked down on me because they're like, oh, your ancestors were the slaves.'" And and you know the funny thing is Africans. You know the I'm just coming up with stuff right now. Uh, the woman king, right? There was backlash over that because they said, no, also African um, nation states and kingdoms and chiefdoms that actually traded in slaves. They were part, they were part and parcel of this. It was a transaction, right? Um, and then at the same time, today, you have African-Americans that now when an African, African first-generation migrant comes, African-Americans would consider themselves to be better and you have the case of Liberia. You know, Liberia is a country in which African Americans went and believed that because they have white knowledge, now they are going to redevelop, and that ended up in a civil war. Of course, now, now Liberia, Liberia is much more peaceful now and they're much more stable. Um, but that's a, I think that's a that's a that's a very deep issue to be had, and it's really not discussed. So yeah, I just I was just wondering what what do you think about that. Ooh, there's a lot to think. I, I think I'll start with the key word you used, which was a rivalry. And I do think I, I never thought about it as that until you just said it, because I would think about it as a there's an envy and the envy goes both ways. But on the surface level, a lot. And this is what I've heard from Tanzanians, too. There's there's these people that will say. Um, Africans don't want you here. And you know what? Well, that's a harsh argument, but let's really listen to what they're saying. I said it earlier, and I'm going to say it again. In 400 years, which African leaders said, bring those people back? And don't say Liberia. Don't say God. Well, Liberia was wasn't even an African leader. It was white years. people that didn't want black people. <laughs> it was James Monroe. But you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I asked that question to some diaspora. They said Ghana. I said, guess what? Ghana was right at 400 years. It was right on that mark. But I mean, nobody asked for us to come back. You even have people that will say, I've heard some nasty things from people here, Africans. And I know why they're saying it, because people, diaspora, get in these taxis when they first land here. And yeah. for the 30 minutes they're in that taxi, they are bad mouthing the country they come from, which is a mistake. Because number one, you will not convince that person not to like that place. They're indoctrinated to love that place. So America. when you start saying crazy things about it, they look at you crazy. Mm -hmm. They think you're crazy. They think you're insane. They think you must have an issue in that country. Yeah. You must have done something wrong. This is how they're conditioned to think, as crazy as that sounds. And so when you badmouth it, oh, America. And, and the only reason I'm saying this is because I was one of them. Then I went to a Zanzibar. I've been there so many times. I went there once and I was uh, having an issue. I, I had got a bike and I was riding it around. And I looked like a Tanzanian. So people think I'm Tanzanian. Yeah. And the guy was having an issue with me. And, you know, I don't know if it, it's a control thing. Sometimes they go on power trips, just like in the States. Police are a problem anywhere in the world. But that's another <laughs> topic. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I basically, you know, I'm, I'm saying, hey, look. You guys are an issue right now. Issue got resolved, whatever. Wait, sorry, sorry, I won't say too much on it. <clears throat> yeah, so the, the, the issue of envy, we're talking about envy and why this envy exists. So, uh, 
I don't know if I'm the perfect person to ask this question to, but I will give my perspective, or I'll give some of my perspective. And the logical side of me wants to say, because we come from a place that they want to go, and we just so happen to look like them, so they look at us, and sometimes it's like, you're what I could have been, sort of thing. And I don't know if that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. But I, it's hard not to feel like that when you get certain looks going yeah. into shops or when you're treated badly going places. And it's not everyone and everything, but I think the important thing to note is, no, I really do feel, and, and I don't want to sound so negative, but I've heard this story so many times that it's hard for me to say that it's a few situations and well it's not the norm it is the norm because there's a difference between being a tourist and living here there's a big yeah. difference you get to see the real treatment and unfortunately the real treatment is not so good yeah. it's not i don't know what it is and i'm not saying every person you meet is going to be bad but there's an overlapping feeling of like like you're not wanted here and I've yeah. heard it from elders. I've heard it from young people. I've heard it uh, when I went to Zambia of people uh -huh. who came and left Tanzania to go to Zambia. And yeah. there's this strange feeling. I've heard it from Zambians who have been in Tanzania and they feel unwanted. I don't know if it's just Tanzania or if it's Africa, but I know for me, there's times where I I'll walk into a place. In fact, I'll tell you a story if you don't mind. Sure. No problem. There's a place called Kibo Complex, and it's a little mall shopping center sort of thing. This is in I was there. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I was there one day. This had to be over a year and a half ago. And the unfortunate thing about it is I was I I go there a lot at the time. I Sorry, just say that again. You cried up. I would order things, I would eat there. Because they had a so I knew all the staff and I'm very friendly. And you know me, I like to talk to people. So I was talking to everybody. Every time I walk in the restaurant, I'm saying hi to everybody, all the customers, all the waitresses, all the cashiers. And one day I did this, it was night. And I came in, I'm I'm speaking to everybody, and about 10 minutes into me waiting for my food, this man with this woman, he was an older, probably 46, 40-ish. And he was with this woman who looked way too young to be with him, but whatever. And he, again, I didn't look at him. I didn't talk to him. I didn't acknowledge him at all. Mm. I'm talking to my friend behind the counter. Mm. And he butts into my conversation in a very aggressive way. And he says, you think you're better than me? I looked at him. I said, this wait a second, sir. This is out of, I don't know him. I didn't, I didn't look over. I didn't notice he was there. Obviously, yeah. I see him standing there, but I didn't give a look. I didn't look over. I didn't. I don't even do that stuff. Not even. In, I don't do that. So for me, I'm, I, I, it freaked me out. I said, what do you mean? He said, because you're speaking English. I said, oh, no, English is my native language. I say, but I do understand a little. Swat. And this is what I'm saying. I'm paraphrasing what I said. And I said, English is my native language. I can switch to Swahili if you'd like, but I'm not very fluent. And he said, you know, he starts yelling at me. Oh, da, 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 da. And I remember I got mad. I was like, you know what? Some, he said something like, you don't know who I am. I said, I don't care who you are. And I don't want to know who you are. Mm -hmm. I said, I, and I told him what I told you. I didn't look at you. I didn't speak to you. I didn't acknowledge you. And yet you have a problem with me. I said, if you feel insecure about the fact that you had to learn a language that wasn't for you, then that's your problem. But don't go bring that over here with me. I'm sitting here talking to my friend and you came and butted into my conversation. Wow. And his girlfriend's over here holding him back because he looked like he wanted to physically fight me. Whoa. And I'm standing here. She's holding him. No, baby, don't do that. Don't. And I'm saying, <laughs> like, you're that upset at the fact that I am speaking English because, again, they see me. And this is what some so many Tanzanians have told me when yeah. they see me because I look so much like the people here. They yeah. think that I went. I was born here. I studied. I went abroad and came back. And now I'm ah. pretending I don't need the That's what they think. Yeah. Because a lot of people here do that. Yeah. And I just so happen to fit into that mold. Obviously, I'm not from here. Uh -huh. Obviously, I'm an American. Yeah. Obviously, my passport tells a different story.
But the problem is because of a lack of exposure, and this is what this, even this young man told me, this one that you just saw, he didn't know there were black people outside of Tanzania. <laughs> he didn't know that there were black people who didn't speak Swahili. Because mm. his world is, when his world is, his world is Tanzania and Swahili. That's his world. Huh? Yeah, that, but, but Tanzania, Tanzania to me is one big small town. It's a big old small town because everybody knows everyone and everyone knows everything about everyone, but they don't have any exposure outside of what they see on a daily basis. Even though it's a tourist country, they don't have, it's surprising how little exposure they have for a place that is what 20% of their economy is tourism. That's surprising to me. Very surprising. So for me, I'm I'm thinking to myself, be calm, yeah. because I know they don't know. But at the same time, how do you handle a situation in which somebody is accusing you? Because <laughs> I've been I've had people walk up to me and say, you know, if I had the opportunity to study abroad, like, and they're telling me because they assume you I'm studied like, abroad, yeah. and like you, and there, there's Tanzania. nothing you can say to convince them. Yeah. I've had people say, oh, you're not from America. You must be from the Congo or you I must think... be from Zambia or you must be from Zimbabwe. And I'm looking yeah. at them like you asked me the question and I went and told I'll have to pull out my passport sometimes. <clears throat> I yeah, had I a think... situation in front of the same Kibo. I'm sorry to keep on going, but this is this yeah. is a very big issue. I ordered in Swahili, but I had a phone call. The phone call was in English. This old man. And the young lady and the man who was cooking, as well as the customer who was sitting down, four people start mm -hmm. laughing and talking. And I heard what they were saying while I was on the phone. They said, this guy, you know, basically the thing I'm saying, he he doesn't want to acknowledge his culture and da, 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 da. And I turned and I said, hey, I'll call you back. I said, is there an issue? Right. Because I used to challenge it all the time. Now I don't have the energy to do that. Yeah. I said, is there an issue? Oh, da, 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 speak Swahili. And da, 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 da. I said, I'm on the phone. That has nothing to do with you. The fact that you feel entitled to butt into my conversation that had nothing to do with you, that I stepped outside yeah. to have, it says something about you. But all of them were like that. So I'm sitting here arguing with four people that aren't going to understand what I'm saying. Yeah. And somebody from across the street recognized me from YouTube, a Tanzanian. And he walked it. I think this was divinely sent. Because it was, I, I tell you, at the time, it was happening so much to so many people, including myself, that I started wondering, what the heck is going on? Yeah. This man who recognized me came up. He said, Mark, I'm your subscriber. And he saw we were arguing. He said, what's the problem? They told him in Swahili the issue. He said, no, he's actually an American. And they were like, <laughs> so it's, 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 it's about ignorance. Head. Yeah. Very ignorant. Yeah. This man, yeah. this old man and the young lady, all of their faces change. And they say, I'm sorry. He whispers to this man, the old man whispers to the man who came up, who recognized me. He said, if he was a white man, we'd be kissing his feet. And he meant it. He wasn't joking. He said that seriously. Yeah. He no, said, no, I because think... we did not know, because you look like us. And he, yeah. he didn't apologize because of his ignorance. He apologized because he didn't know that I came from the same place as a white man. So mm -hmm. he should have given me that respect because they respect the place. Yeah, that's why you know, I, I think, apologize. I, I think you mentioned. I think you've you've given uh, you've highlighted something that's uh, also true. Is this inferiority complex, right? Um, so you'd meet people that uh, if you insist on speaking English, or if you don't know any African languages, or if you don't know the, their language, right? Because the assumption is that. Uh, the default race in this country is black, and if you are black, you are most likely from this country. So, yeah. um, if you go to any other African country, they assume as a black person, they expect that you should speak their language. And then when you come and start speaking English, it's almost like you are trying to um, position yourself. Show up. Yeah, uh, position yourself in a higher way, especially in, Anglo in Anglophone, uh, and I don't know if that's the case in Francophone countries, but in Anglophone countries, if you speak English, particularly with an accent, uh, it, it would signify that you have had some kind of education, which is probably more superior or better in inverted commas. Um, 
So yeah, in there's deep. definitely there's definitely going to be that uh, inferiority complex, and then also at the same time, it's a romanticization, as you said before. They're coming from a place that they also want to go to and think that you know, in another life, I could have been like this. And why would he come to Africa if he was from that nice country? Because the image, you know, growing up, the image of America is, as particular African Americans, is like you know, basketball players, musicians, you know, limos. And you just said you're from Vegas. So this is this is nothing strange to you. <laughs> so um, yeah, I think there's that that's there, you know. Um, and then um, even I'm, I'm sure now, like I've heard some people, some I've heard some people coming and saying, you know, oh yeah, you know, um, the UK must be really cool, you know, Stormzy and all that stuff. And I'm like, <laughs> no. Uh, but yeah, there's that perception that's built. Because the immediate connection to an African in, in Africa, to America, is African-Americans. And then the biggest present, presentation of African-Americans are the musicians, are the basketball players, the millionaires, right? And um, so I think that's something, that's something that you have mentioned. But uh, just to wind down because of, because of time, I know we could go on for, uh, for ages, but we are very limited on time now. Um, for those people that are thinking of going to Africa, be it Africans in the diaspora or African Americans who have never been, what are the quick tips with regards to moving, not just visiting, but moving? So, you know, what 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 things do you think they should know? Like the biggest things. Uh this is gonna sound a little controversial. It's gonna okay. sound standoff. I feel like too. I feel like we have to give this give these cautions every time we speak. Everything has to be. Yeah, because yeah, okay. we're dealing with a sensitive mind, yeah. Africans and African-Americans. I can't speak for other diaspora, but I know African-Americans can be very sensitive to certain issues, mm -hmm. as well as Africans, Tanzanians yeah. specifically, because I have experience with them. And you could be speaking in general, but they take it personal. Yeah. And we have that same problem. And this is why I'm saying if everybody could understand we're all facing the same issue, we'd get along. But we don't. Not yet. Um, but to answer, and if you don't mind me looping it back around, we just described the stereotype because we gave the stereotype that African-Americans have coming to Africa, the misconception. And the misconception a lot of Africans have for African-Americans is that they live a lifestyle that they don't. And it's insulting to African-Americans because it's thrown in their face in America too. So um, to answer your question, um, I would say do not compromise your values, but learn to be flexible and adapt. And the reason I'm, before I would say just adapt, but, you know, because people say when in Rome, you know, I don't yeah, I they do. believe in that. Yeah. yeah, because again, we're not supposed to, some people are here, they're Hebrew Israelites. I'm not particularly religious, but I understand the philosophy behind that belief system. Yeah. And you're supposed to be set apart. Most religions, in fact, say, whether it's Islam, whether it's Christianity, Hebrew, uh, the Israelite uh, faith, they say you're supposed to be set apart. So when in Rome automatically does not apply to us. Yeah. So in, in the Romans, they slept with animals and children. So I'm automatically. <laughs> yeah. against it. And I believe keep your values because the way you raise the standard of a place is you continue to be the example. Do not try to change anybody. Don't force anybody to change. Don't push yourself on others because then you're wrong. But if yeah. you live your life well enough and you have a high enough standard and it doesn't shift yeah. because of something coming up or something happening, you're going to be the example. And because of that envy, some people are only going to follow you because they're envious of you, but others are going to be inspired. And mm -hmm. that's what's going to make them change. Because mm -hmm. I'm not going to say, oh, everything in Africa is good. No, they got a <laughs> lot that doesn't work here. And we got a lot that doesn't work over there. Yeah. Let's take what we have and combine mm -hmm. it with what they have and let the rest go to rock. Awesome. Let the rest be the SHIT that we need to grow. Yeah. But we do have to, to provide one another. It's just yeah. mixed in with the not so good stuff. And we have to um, keep our standard when coming. Because yeah. now there's a counter movement where people are saying, oh, you should only do it the African way. The African way isn't even the African way. Yeah, if you, you, have have to, you, have to, you have to dig deep for the country. For the they can't tell you. 
Don't yeah. know the history. Don't know any of that. So I would say I'm going to keep it short. I'd say my biggest thing is, you know, stay true to who you are. Don't right. change, but don't be a brick wall either. If you don't bend, you will break. But if you bend too much, you're a noodle. You're basically a snake. <laughs> and a lot of people <laughs> are coming over here as snakes. Yeah, that's a they very good take advantage of the people. And a lot of people are here to take are, are that are here are taking advantage of our people. Mm-hmm. So it's like one big everybody's trying to get everybody. And it's yeah. sad because we're supposed to be brothers and sisters reuniting, yeah. not fighting. Absolutely. I can't I couldn't agree more, to be honest. Um, um we've this has been a very, very, very I mean we've had several episodes, but this this has been one of the most enlightening ones and sort of sharing these ideas uh, because I've always wanted to have a, this type of conversation because it's almost like an elephant in the room in many cases. Uh, you know, why African-American suffering? Why African suffering? Why British, uh, Black British suffering, Black Europeans, Caribbeans, and so on? And I think that's an amazing way to sort of end it and round it up because um, at the end of the day, we don't want to romanticize, nor do we want to be pessimistic. We just want to give people as it is in the most simplest way possible and yet empower them. So on that note, we want to close it up and just say a big thank you uh, talking to us here on Africa for Dummies. For those that are interested in Mark Meets Africa, he's got a YouTube channel and he definitely speaks his mind, no doubt. And uh, please follow him, check him out. And um, if you are in Dar es Salaam, he's building an interesting center. Um, you can check his channel. He'll tell you all about it. Uh, so yeah, thank right you for- Right next to Jengwani. Yeah, right next to Jengwani in Dar es Salaam, Tanzania. So yeah, thank you for joining us. And uh, we hope to possibly see you again. We don't know, maybe, but we had an amazing time. And uh, thank you for listening to Africa for Dummies episode here with Mark V uh, from Mark Meets Africa. Thank you for having me. Awesome. And I'd love to be back on. I know that none dare challenge me when I say I am an African.